and then there were two. All right, so we're going to get into this. Um, let's just go. Let's just go for it. Okay. Because I have to do all the editing afterwards. So, you know what I'm saying? Uh, just do all of this shit now. Ding, right. ding, ding. Want me to pretend to be the... No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to edit it so that it's appropriately placed. Don't... This is Lil MC. This is Unlearn the World. And you're listening to Ratchet and Woke. 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 Don't, don't speak, bitch. <laughs> no, I, I said nothing. I said nothing to that extent. You speak when spoken to now. <laughs> Pepper Jack. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you know the reference now. Exactly. Exactly. So okay. Ratchet and Woke Podcast. We yeah. are here. <laughs> like We're us here. on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. Shout out to everybody tuning in, Spotify and worldwide. Shout out Ooh. to the whole team at uh, the Block 105 and everybody listening over there. We appreciate yeah. the love. Ooh, you're in a giddy mood. <laughs> I'm just doing. I'm doing. See I'm what happens when I, when I when I leave the the country or the leave the leave California. You're like ah yeah. You're like, What's oh. the noises you like when I do? Ah, what are some weird noises it's I like do? Like pterodactyl noise. You do some weird shit. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I can't do. But it right we got now. a lot of things no. to get into. So let's yeah, like, a lot. Let's get Fine. Into them. I won't <laughs> get into weird noises. I I let's start with. We'll, we'll try and balance it with sad and happy. So we'll start with happy. Yes. Uh, we we both watched the, the Tiger Woods doc, so I feel like it's a fitting topic for both of us to, to touch on unless you feel like uh, you didn't. No, nah, yo, yeah, we, we can get into it. Like I so we, we both watched the Tiger Woods documentary over the over the last week. Um, really compelling, really amazingly well done. Um, and I'm, I'm just blown away by I, I took for granted how much of a goat this dude really is. You know, like. I think we all did because you. I think that happens. And that's what my biggest takeaway from, from this doc was mm-hmm. kind of, I, I hope that they do this with more legends because mm-hmm. I think once we are witnessing it in front of us, we do take it for granted. Like we don't really appreciate what, what these people have done for history. And, and someone like Tiger Woods is like, doesn't come around just like every decade, you know? No, like he's no, once in a he, lifetime. Was, he was groomed to be this. That's what I found that so interesting. Cause I, I had too. never known that, right? Like they start the documentary with his father at a press conference talking about his son and what he means to the world. Not like yeah. he had these very grandiose ideas of who Tiger Woods was going to be for the world. Like if yes. you if you let Tiger Woods' dad tell it, he was grooming him to be a uh, 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 to be a multiracial man in a predominantly white sport as a means of bringing the world together racially and ethnically and joining. Like he wanted this dude to be like Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Like that. He was wanted his idea. him to be a god and that is probably i mean that is a hundred percent what led to his demise before Mm -hmm. he was able to come back but i just think it's so crazy the methodologies that he used to groom him like he legit because he was his dad is, is a vietnam war vet yeah and so he used like brainwashing tactics so that he was literally in a hypnotic trance when he was playing golf like if Happy Seriously. Gilmore would have been hypnotized, he probably would have been far more successful. You know, would have I mean, won his the, the conspiracy the theorists out there could say that his father was uh, military intelligence. Mik- MK Ultra. Mi- yeah. Like the, the 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 deep dive can go there, right? Like yeah. he, his, his father from the military could have been part of military intelligence and then imparted these tactics into his son as a means for his son to be it's a kind psyop. of cheating, isn't it? It's like Manchurian <laughs> Candidate shit. Like you know, yeah. What I'm saying? I don't no, know if, if, if you groom your child up from from a baby, I mean, he was swinging golf clubs at two years old. I know it's he's on like the Johnny Carson show, <laughs> <laughs> swinging golf clubs. At a, he was a baby, like the the, the freaking the the nine iron was bigger than he was it's why it's like yo his body was funny like the way that you play golf it's similar to baseball the reason why there's so many injuries in baseball and i'm not sure about the stats on golf is because you go from a a non-moving to moving really like jerking and moving really rapidly really fast you know like when you're playing soccer there's not as much injuries because you're moving constantly and same with, with football so like Imagine as a little baby, you're doing those crazy ass swings, twisting your body, like bending your knees all that way. 
And you've been doing that from when you were two to when he was in his 40s. But even in his lot. injuries, like even having those injuries, he was still winning tournaments. I, yeah, Handedly, I didn't give a fuck. He was he winning tournaments with like broken knees, <laughs> broken ankles, hops, yeah. like literally hopscotching from one hole to the other. Like, like getting get holes in one. Can they cart him to the next Damn, hole? I was looking, I'm like, yo, what is this? Who is this motherfucker, man? Like he was, it was some other shit what I was, I've never seen what I, I never got it. I never understood it. I remember when he went pro, I, I, I didn't really care. I remember like people saying he was a big deal, but then when he, and then I remember when he won the masters, I remember that being a big deal, but I never saw him play. So to see like these clips of him, like yeah. driving a golf ball, like the size to, to the extent of a football field. Yo, he got a hole in one. <laughs> and that shit was crazy. Like, it's like, who is this guy? Like, it yeah. was absurd. It's miraculous. It's, that's why I think human stories are just so fascinating. Like, imagine how many other human stories that we just don't even know. Like, we don't really need to be making up, like, Harry Potter and, like, Lord of the Rings. Like, we should just no. I mean, historical. There, there's so many stories to be told in terms of the human experience and what's going on in this world. And, and, and they're so interesting. And this was a story that was so interesting so inspiring because of the ups and downs like he was hella up and then out of nowhere you know he as as many artists or celebrities or rock stars you fall into decadence and you have a vice lose away. A vice. yeah you lose away and it, you know for him it wasn't blow it wasn't alcohol it was like opiates and bitches like it was well he couldn't because <laughs> he was he was an athlete he trained right. himself to be very like do you see the other golfers' bodies? Like, they look like potatoes. He was, like, all buff and <laughs> shit, you know? Yeah. Like, he was very, like, rigorous and self-disciplined, so. Yeah, like, he, he mean, trained himself to to be, like, the best. Like, once yeah. his father got out of the picture, he was, like, in his own zone. It was interesting. And then, you know, he fell. He he came back. He had to take a, a break. And then he came back and won again. Well, and he did was, actually get addicted to all of the painkillers. Yeah, like, It was I'm, opiates I'm and women. Like, he County. was. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're in Florida. <laughs> for Yo, real this shit was so funny he was like i gotta tie my shoe when they're like you need help nah, i got it nah, i got it then, and then he, when he's in the police station he has no shoes on so i think he just took them off man. yeah he was like fuck all this i can't could die i could get a hole in one but i can't tie these loops for Yo, no for it, just, it looked bad he was like balding and his eyes were all sagging it yeah. was like you know what I mean? like, did not look good it was, it was it was real interesting and it was real interesting just like the media coverage and and the racial dynamic and the media coverage and everything but it was it was a really great documentary i'm, I'm really glad that i, I took the time to watch it you yeah thank saying? you for getting me to watch it because <laughs> you knew i just wanted to watch some brainless shit. i know but you're an athlete too you've you've played sports so i'm sure you could appreciate like you know no um, i really i really loved it all of that so it yeah made me for cry. sure at the end. Speaking of crying, do we want to do the sad shit yet, or do we want to cover another topic before we get no, into that? No, let's shit? do. Let's do. We have two sad things. So okay. <laughs> which sad thing do you want to do first? Um, let's let's talk about the 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 shooting of Dante Wright. Um, it's a really unfortunate situation. You know, I think at, at this point everybody is kind of aware, has a cursory awareness of what happened. This is a police officer in Minnesota, a veteran of the force for 25, 26 years, who mistaken or claims to have mistaken her gun for a taser and let off a shot that uh, effectually killed Dante Wright. Very similar to what was said about the murderer of um, Oscar Grant. In, in Oakland, um, same exact thing. They said they thought they thought where they were trying to tase him and he shot him in the back. This is kind of a similar thing. I think he was pulled over from what I understand. They originally said in the reports that he was pulled over for a expired registration. Yeah. What I came to understand, and I don't know if it's factual because the Internet is full of shit sometimes, um, that he had a air freshener that was obstructing the view of his rear view mirror. And that's what he was stopped for. Like, you either know, one way. of those tree air fresheners. Yeah, that, like, I mean, either way, it's ridiculous. absurd. You should not have to die from having uh, an expired registration in your car. Or an air freshener. Like, what the or fuck an air freshener. Funny? There's no reason for it. And I hate I hate the the entire media and social media spectacle of what happens after these kind of things, um, especially on in the wake of George Floyd and Breonna They try Taylor to prove all these Aubrey. things that it's like. It's, yeah, it's just like, but it, for me, uh, again, this has been going on in the way that the media has been covering this for the last 
almost 10 years since Trayvon Martin, we've had these kind of news cycles of the way that we're, we're, you know, that we talk about it, the way that we discuss it, that we unpack it and all of that. And what I've, what I have found to protect my energy and it's very serendipitous that it, it, not serendipitous, but it's very coincidental that this incident happens in a week where I'm I'm on the East Coast and I'm taking care of my children because my yeah. immediate response has always been in these moments. I rather than me marching, rather than me going crazy on social media about it and crying, I'm just gonna raise my kids, man. Like I'm raising two black men. I'm a black man myself. I just gotta raise these kids so that they understand the world they're living in. You know what I'm saying? And I did and you have I'm, a discussion with? I mean, we, we, yeah, I have extensive conversations all the time about race relations and everything. And I think my kids are at a space where they're starting to understand certain racial dynamics now more so than at any other point. But then and still it's, it's, it's for multiple reasons. It's one, because you want to educate them as to what's going on in the world and how to navigate through these spaces being how they are. Number two, I want them to, to, to understand and, and, and know and have those experiences of a father who's present in their life. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, and, and for me, and for me in my own healing and in my own process is to enjoy the time that I have here because you never know when it can, it can end. I can literally walk out my side, my door, drive to the store to get something and, and have to deal with something like this. And I, yeah. I it's, it's something that is perpetually in the back of the mind of every black man more and more and more. Um, and woman, I would say years. too. Black women, particular, yeah, black women as well. But I think black men, I think we we navigate through these spaces thinking about that. I think about it at least once a day, right? This is why I'm nervous around police officers. This is there's a lot of different things that go on in my head when I'm in a car, when I'm around law enforcement. There's a lot of different things that are circling in my head that the average person who's not black does not have to ever think about. <laughs> ever yeah <laughs> you know what i'm saying so it's a, just a different psychology so to just get down to this <clears throat> situation where we're seeing this again we're seeing what the defense is um i will give credit where i think credit is due where they arrested her within three days right that hasn't been seen before like we we it went a month before chauvin um the guy who killed um George Floyd was arrested. It was like a month and change before uh, Trayvon Martin's killer. A lot of these killers of black men have just got, like been able to roam the streets for months or so right. without being arrested. Within three days, she was arrested, charged for second degree manslaughter. Um, I, I I would say this is negligent homicide. I mean, I'm not a lawyer, but just just from the story you're hearing, she accidentally, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Um, it was why a point- is a taser even necessary? Is is like, even if it, you know, well, it yeah, it, seems... it matters none for what was from what was going what was going on. It matters none whether it was a taser or a gun or why even a taser is necessary. But like, you shouldn't have to die from that exchange, and the likelihood of you having being dying from that exchange is very high, and it's been high for a very long time. And it's just it's it's one of those things where you just don't understand how that mistake could be made. But then you also think about like if I was a person who accidentally did something like that. I would still go to jail for it in a very long time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Like, a very long time. And I think that this person, as a cop, as a veteran cop, you, you've been a police officer for 25 plus years. You right. train other police officers. You're like the chairman of whatever police union. Like, you're a big wig in law enforcement in your area. How could you make this how do you, mistake? How does this happen? Like, are they on, are they next to each other? Like, so it, it's- I think it, I think it ultimately speaks to the general psychology of white people, particularly, even white women, particularly white women, but it speaks to the general psychology of white people and their fear of black men and the, the, the programmed fear of black men. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Which results in these kind of situations. This is why, you know, um, last year when they, when we had that woman who was threatening to call the cops, she was walking her dog without a mask and without the leash and all of that shit. And she was going to threaten to call the cops on the guy who was looking at birds. Do you remember that whole situation last no, year? No, I don't. Yeah, it was, I forgot what the, you know, they, they always have names for these people, barbecue Becky and whatever the case is, where these women, like they get on, they call the police and then they act like they're in fear for their lives. Yeah. And it's that level of tension. It's that it's that's it's that you leaning on your white privilege, whether aware of it or unaware of it. It's leaning on that white privilege that puts black men in danger. You know 100%. what I'm saying? Yeah, it, it just it's 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 really it's fucking frightening. Um, and it's like this. This was a kid. Like, I know he's a, he's 20. So that's 20 like, years like, old. Newborn child. baby. Like, like, it's just, what? you know, it's yeah. 
it's like I, 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 these are just mistakes that, you know, whatever the like subconscious fears are going on inside your head. If you're a professional police officer, like these just can't fucking happen. Yeah. It just, you know, there's no, there's no real excuse for it. Um, I'm always interested in the media coverage more so than the actual incident itself and why they choose this story in particular than any other story. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't imagine that in the whole of the United States that this is the only black man who's been shot by police officers since George Floyd. I, I, I would severely doubt it. But why this incident in, you know, incident in particular than in the same area as George Floyd. Ah, and we're coming up on the one year anniversary. So mm-hmm. that seed. So this so it just speaks to how the media receives information and what they do with it afterwards. You know what I'm saying? It's just it's it's a it's a curious dynamic. But um, you know, pr- thoughts and prayers to the family of Dante Wright. Can't say that enough. Always. His 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 uh his his child, his family, whoever loved him, whoever cared for him really unfortunate our thoughts and prayers are with you um i I, you know i'm I'm, to say i'm exhausted about talking about these instances is an understatement you know what i mean like there's really nothing else i can i can say about it so let's try to get into some good shit (laughs) yeah um rest in peace dmx as well let me just get that out the way too like well we're on sad shit I had, I had, I'd read a really cool article about DMX. And so it was actually something different. It was talking about all the ways that DMX impacted the culture. Oh yeah. I read and, that too. That was on um, OK Player, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. So we could just go through a few of them. Sure. Like the fact that he brought the streets back from the shiny suit era that, you know, Diddy yeah. and Bad Boys records, they were doing all the, the commercial hip hop. And then he came back with, this the street shit um straight up street shit it was yeah it was really yeah and really and really successful like he dropped he he was the first person to drop um two albums like a month apart from each other or no within the year within oh within the year yeah nine or ten months of each other they dropped that both charted at number one yep (laughs) billboard yeah and then he's uh also brought vulnerability and introspection to the forefront of hip-hop when everything was really more like flexing braggadocious money ho shit and yeah. i just gotta say it's so refreshing because i'm so over that shit like i love hearing people talk about their human side <laughs> no you like, like to hear people just talk about being fucked up <laughs> yeah but, i do no. because everyone's fucked up so to no, put on 100%. this fucking facade like i'm the fucking shit it's like you think you're the shit you're not you're suffering inside so how about you talk about that too like i just i i appreciate when artists can like be uh man or woman enough to admit the their own faults and their own vices in their music because that takes a lot more courage than just flexing and out rapping everyone in my opinion yeah, it's just it's a range. He he showed a range, and I mean I think any artist shows a who who shows a range of emotion is is more receptive to the to the masses than people who just continually perpetuate the same narrative time and again. Because um, it's and, the and, same formula, just to let everyone know, like you get a formula down for flexing on everyone, and it's really easy to to replicate. But what's not easy is to talk about things that are authentic and true to yourself in a very vulnerable, transparent way and and be successful nonetheless. Like that is a challenge. Yeah. And I think part of his success is that he filled a Tupac void that I think the industry was was craving at the time. Right. Because he came out in 1998. Right. Mm -hmm. We lost Tupac in 1996. There was the East Coast, West Coast rivalry. The shiny suit era was a response to the violence of that era. Yes. of of the east coast west coast rivalry but then we we needed to move away from that because that became too gaudy and and ridiculous and like you know like it just became a, a little bit much so for us to go back to what he was on um and the life that he lived right like that was like his life was so tragic and we talked about it he would like episode. cry on, on stage During prayers and stuff. And like, it was yeah, yeah it and was he would intense. say he, he introduced spirituality in a way that i mean like I think that we've talked about this before. Like there's a, a lot of hip hop uh, interweaves spirituality into lyrics. If you pay attention and actually dissect it, but his yeah. was very prevalent and prominent. So it, it was, he made notable. it, he made it a, he made it a hill to die on, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. No pun intended, but like, that was like, you know, the thing that, that grounded him and that's what he was known for. So, you know, prayers to the great DMX, man. Like I, I have nothing but fond memories of listening to DMX and like, I, you know, for me, I, I didn't really understand 
the big deal when he was just coming out in New York City. Like when people were just hearing him on mixtapes and he was known as Dark Man X, like I didn't get it. Like I was hearing him on every single mixtape, Clue, Duop, DJ Kid Capri, like any mixtape that was out in the streets, people had DMX on it, right? But then he did a freestyle in in um on Hot 97. It was him, Cannabis and Nori. And he went fucking crazy on this fucking like I mean, oh, it's, I I, right you can now. listen to it on YouTube. It's probably still on YouTube, but I remember being a kid and taping it. Like I was listening to it and I, I had to press play. I was finding a tape and I pressed play like almost like halfway through the beginning of it. It was cannabis rapping and then he goes nuts. And I was just like, you know, that, that was, that was X. And from then on, I was like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a listener. I'm interested. I'm a fan. Um, oh shit. I found um, it. Yeah, I fucking found it. It's, it's there. So it's really, it, it was really, it was really great just to watch his ascent, his, his decline, his ascent again, the fact that he did the verses and we were able to celebrate him and give him some level of flowers before his passing. Like that was all great. So I'm happy. And he was that. in hella movies, like, yeah. and he didn't have any theater background. Like, that's what I want to do. I want, I want someone to just be like, oh, she's a crazy kook. Like, let's put her in a movie. Like, oh <laughs> shit, she's insane. Let's put her in more. Like, yeah, he's, he's the dream. Exactly. Aside from dying. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So yeah, rest in peace, DMX. Um, let's let's get into some other shit. Okay. <laughs> well, I had this this forced. I'm not even forced. I had this insight. I will say because it hasn't occurred yet. How now they're starting to say that they're going to be creating ads based on things that you like, things that you purchase, things that you browse through and click on. So like commercial TV ads will be based yeah. upon what you're google youtube email searches are and i just find that potentially really embarrassing for people if they like have like a smelly pussy and are like always looking at like vaginal shit oh and then God. like they have like guests over and it's like why is all these commercials about vaginal and like herpacil and like all these so like for, things that, <laughs> yeah, like, it is, yeah, it I don't is know, really it's interesting it's like you know like whenever a certain commercial comes on either on my phone or on tv i'm like yo why are y'all trying to sell this to me like the fuck y'all trying to say but then it's like i get kind of like <laughs> I'm kind of like, yo, fuck you. Like, what are you trying to give me, like, weight loss shit or something? Like, yeah, yeah like, what the fuck? Like, what, what, what are you trying doing? to insinuate? Fuck you, you know? <laughs> like, I, exactly. I see, I see, I find it insulting to be That's why honest. I don't accept cookies on my phone. <laughs> yeah, I always just say whatever, like, click on whatever is going to make the pop up go away. If it's yes, it's oh, no, yeah, they, they, like, they're, ah, they're researching here. all your shit. Yeah, <laughs> That's I, I know. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Someone oh, posted a thing, like, uh, I think it was Abby Imperial shout out. She just said, like, show people what you're really searching on YouTube without deleting it. But like, I was like, I could do this. But then mine were like hella embarrassing. So I was like, nah, fuck it. I'm not doing this. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. All right. More, more, more. Um, okay. So uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. There's so many things. Let's talk about, do you care about the Kid Cudi's uh, SNL performance? I could, I can yeah. really briefly no, go over that no no because okay. it, it, it's it's he the same response that yeah it's the same response that we always get when a black man wears a dress especially on snl which snl is really good for that um and he actually wore it to honor kurt Cobain. We, i know i know that was a clarification but even then that that's kind of a it, it's kind of a cop-out because he's also putting out a clothing line with virgil abloh of, yes, of louis vuitton that, so. virgil the, so the, the guys is that he the guys is that he did it for Kurt Cobain when in fact it was a pre-planned rollout. So it, oh it's, yeah, it, you but know what I'm saying. So it's kind Chris of contrived. I'm, I don't really care. Like it's it's you know what I'm saying. It's kind of I contrived. just didn't I just didn't like the way it looked. Like I thought Kurt Cobain looked really good in his dress. It didn't even look like the Kurt Cobain dress. So like it for didn't. you to just it say like that it looked like a weird housewife dress like, in the 50s. Exactly. Like you know what I'm saying. So it was just like whatever. Like you know yeah. it's another shock thing. It's like it, it just, we're gonna react the same way that we reacted to Lil Nas X. And it's not as bad as Lil Nas X, so it's like, oh, everyone's I, just trying to one up each other on like who can create the most. It's just shock value, shit. you know what I'm saying? And the, then the controversy the most, is the new rollout, so it's that, that's yeah. what it is. You know, it'll be the most shocking if someone just does something really boring and bland. You know, like if Kanye just did like an album called like Kanye. High. <laughs> yeah, that too. Okay, so well, no, uh, I mean he did he did his one of his last albums. He did just have a picture of Wyoming mountains with like MS Paint. <laughs> scribbled on it very minimalist yeah. oh yeah was it the you know what i'm saying i mean one of his last album covers was literally a cd it was a picture of a cd in a case like that's 
you know okay. what I mean? So he's he sets the wave for what to do. He's he's just well, I think Kanye's new aesthetic or Kanye's historic aesthetic over the last several projects has been minimalist. It's the way he designs his clothes. It's the way he designs his sneakers. It's a very minimalist view. Like he's not trying to do too much, um, which is an interesting take. And it's, it's amazing. He does a how, lot. <laughs> yeah, it, it just amazes me how you become a billionaire from just such minimalist like aesthetics. But he as a person on like everything. That oh yeah, he, he does, he does the most minimalist. Yeah, yeah, he does he's the most. It's, it's the so most. interesting. <laughs> it's like I, I I made a shirt with no no prints, no nothing. It's a bland color, but I still am mad that the world doesn't think I'm a genius. It's like you yes. literally made a t-shirt. <laughs> I don't know what to do with that because um, that's that's what like art art curators do. They like uh horrible, despicable, amazing. Oh my I know. god! Yeah, this is the way like baby the, you know, poop looks so great. Jackson Pollock made a fucking billion of fortune off of the shit like this. Like it's interesting. Mm. Um, but I think this is a good segue into in terms of uh, legalizing propaganda. If you want to get into okay. that, right? Like the 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 article. I, I read. was I was really high when I read that. Okay. So I don't any, really uh, any deep really dives or anything. They're that. they're just legalizing the ability to man, like government is legalizing the ability for companies to use propaganda in their fucking ads. So, I mean, I, I mean, I, I don't know how that is any different than what they do now. Like, how is that any different? Well, They've been doing it. I I guess, but it, I think like I mean, is 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 propaganda like? Is advertising not propaganda? Like our entire advertising industry is based on the writings of the person who invented propaganda. So I don't know how legalizing it is any different from what you have already been doing. But I think, no, it's, psycholo- it's considered psychological warfare, like kind of in, in a certain it, degree. But it's always been psychological warfare is my point. That's that's all I'm trying to say. But I don't I don't been. know if they ha- if, if they were. I don't know. I would say were that there repercussions now, before. I mean, I would probably say so, right? Like that they were using propaganda during like the Cold War. I'd say the there were repercussions of that. Like no, I mean, yeah, I know there are repercussions in terms of are there repercussions, legal ramifications? Meaning, if I use propaganda in my marketing tool, am I facing jail time? Am I getting arrested? Like what what changes for me as an advertiser? Like <laughs> I don't, I don't know what the legalities are of it. Um, that's, yeah, we need a legal correspondent. Yeah, That's be I, I need for the pod. Like, I was hoping you would read that because I got really high and paranoid and told Amani <laughs> I can't read this. Well, right see, now. this is why I'm you have to. That, that's why you have to tell me that when you send me the link. Nah, because <laughs> you send me a bunch of links all the time. You send me music. You send me links. You send me gifts. Like you send me yeah. these all types. You send me news. Yeah, you, you send me all send types of shit all the time. Send it to someone else. No, see, don't see now. You on your bullshit, and I'm gonna get on my bullshit. Don't let, listen, to, Lil Kim and Foxy Brown. <laughs> okay, you want to know my take on that? Yes. So, did you know that? Okay, Lil Kim is is someone that you have kind of brought to my attention. I don't know who brought this far attention. I think it was you saying that she was she she's the archetype for what is popular for women in hip hop now. You know, mm-hmm. the sexy like gangster like I'm yeah. I don't need you men. I'm gonna show my titties and fuck off kind of archetype. Yeah. Um and Foxy Brown was the other similar archetype to that. So Foxy Brown dropped her album a week after Lil Kim's. So Foxy's debut album dropped a week after Lil Kim's debut album. Mm. Um, Lil Kim was obviously signed to Bad Boy Records with Puff, and um, and they're both from uh, Brooklyn, right? Yeah, Brooklyn. Yes. Kim and Foxy Brown both from Brooklyn. Foxy was was gonna be signed to Jay Z's imprint label at the time, so. I was just curious if you knew all this information because I remember that Jay-Z and Puff were kind of like, you know, feuding, I guess. Um, or maybe they were just com- competing at that same time because that was the same time that Puff Friendly was Friendly competition, sh- probably. Yeah, yeah, like shiny suits and Jay-Z was like, you know, still doing like street rap at that time. I don't know if he did like that crazy shiny. Yeah, I mean Foxy right? Brown made one of her bigger debuts on a Jay-Z song, right? Yeah. And no nigga. That was the song that uh 
for lack of a better term, broke Foxy Brown. She had a verse on an LL Cool J record that made people pay attention to her, and then it was the Ain't No Nigga verse that got her, like, on. And then she did subsequent songs with Nas, and she was part of The Firm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of these different things. So, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there may have been a situation where Jay-Z was trying to sign her or work with her as an artist in terms of management or whatever. They're both from Brooklyn. Like, they were- But do you think that, like, like Jay-Z, knowing that Puff was his main competition, both coming from New York, both, like, you know, blowing up at the time, even though Puff probably blew up like before. Um, and Puff had Kim and he knew she, he, he had Kim, right? Yeah. I think he, he wanted a, a, a Kimish archetype. And so that's why he signed Foxy and like, you know, was hoping that Foxy would kind of prevail and, and surpass Kim. I don't think so. I think, I think it would, I think it's smart business in terms of an industry to see that there's a wave coming of female MCs. Biggie at the time is the number one rapper in the world. Lil' Kim is his protege, right? You could see what's coming, right? Like if, if I'm an artist and I see the biggest artist in the world right now is signing and co-signing a female artist, there's about to be a wave of female artists. So I, I should get on this wave now. And I think that Jay-Z or whoever's involved in Foxy's camp at the time made the conscious decision of we're going to, we're going to cast that lot we're gonna put in that we're gonna put in that that play you know what i'm saying it's no different than meg the stallion coming out and then several other female mcs are just showing up out of nowhere hot girl summer became a thing because meg the stallion at the time in lieu of cardi b was the prominent female artist and it just kind of it kind of kicked the door open for what then becomes the new female wave well, of MCs. i was i would argue that foxy brown fell off like she never i mean it, even though she She wasn't as commercially accessible. She was a dark-skinned black girl, right? She rapped like a dude, like straight up, like her voice was a dude. She rapped like a dude, um, and she was still kicking that gutter shit. She wasn't doing commercial records. She had a few commercial records. I don't know if her album went platinum. Um, I think when The Firm dropped an album and it was unsuccessful or deemed as unsuccessful, that kind of hurt her momentum. Uh, her subsequent album after her debut wasn't really well received. She she just she became a street legend in the same way that uh who you call it uh, Remy Ma was a street legend. Even though Remy Ma has a little right. bit more success, you know what I'm saying? I just think that there's there were a lot of other dynamics involved um, pinning Lil Kim against Foxy Brown. Like there yeah, was, there was obviously. a lot of vested interest in doing that. So. But I think that, like, you know, I, I I wouldn't compare that to the same as now, where I think, I, like, I feel like... Well, I think, yeah, now, I think they Lil all Kim team up with each other, and they're, they're Nicki trying Minaj, to get who Nicki Minaj was, like, the one, that one archetype, once, once Lil' Kim, and I already know that whole, like, scandal, we're not going to get into it now, but, and now, it's, like you said, it's, like, all all women are kind of working together, so I wouldn't say it's, it's quite the same as what happened with Kim and Foxy, but it was just interesting, because... I didn't know that they dropped albums literally a week apart from each other. We're both from Brooklyn and one was with Jay-Z and one was with Bad Boy. Like I just, I didn't know Yeah, and it's, it, it goes back to what I always say. The, the music industry is based on archetypes. Successful archetypes, when they are on their downtime or for whatever reason they go away, those, those voids need to be filled. Going back to DMX, DMX filled in a Pac void. You know what I'm saying? That DMX void was then filled by Ja Rule. That Ja Rule void was then filled with 50 Cent, right? Like this archetype continues to come up in different iterations time and again, time and again. You need certain kinds of artists within the hip hop community to, to be prominent. Um, and, and, and you get that more and more as, as the eras change and different voices become popular. Everybody's trying to fill that void. You know what I'm saying? In lieu of a Kanye West, you get a Kid Cudi. In lieu of a Kid Cudi, you get like other artists that are similar to that. And then it just kind of goes down the rabbit hole. But, um, that's just kind of industry standard. So, you know, but it is, it it is an interesting dynamic when you just kind of think about that whole era. And and I just, I'm going to do a lot more, uh, research and i'm going to connect all of the lines of all Come of here, the po. women in hip-hop hey guys my po show look hold on say hi to megan hey po what's up your hair is right super here. long i love po say hi hello <laughs> i'm recording my You're podcast officially on the pod good night baby i love you <laughs> you can go you can go say good night we or we done nah, he's here. good he's good he's good we done so let's get into um cold medina cold medina hey. all right peace one, one, one. All right, we're on. We're live. We're lit. We got the one and only Cole Medina in the building. Um, can I can I can I can I share something honest with you, sir? 
Before yes, we, sir. Before we get into you, absolutely, okay. man. Absolutely. Aside, aside from my own name and Busta Rhymes, I think you have one of the dopest rap names I've heard. Hey, that's that's love, bro. I appreciate that, man. Because it's, it's a it's a it's a, it's a, a reference to like the old school. Is you know what I'm saying? And then it's just you know, it, there's so many ways you can go with. You that. get it, bro. You get it, man. I'm, yo, so. appreciate that. You know, it's levels <laughs> to it. You know, it's levels to it. That's what it's about, man. That's what it's what's about. the what's the origin story of the name? Man, the origin story of the name comes back when I was like first trying to take music seriously man one of my first producers you know we were just kind of you know he was getting to know me like what i was trying you know of course this is like early on i wasn't like really that good right but you know we're getting to know each other and he's getting to learn my style and you know making beats and he's like you know man because my name my medina's my real name he's like okay. yo man you should bro you should go by Cole medina bro because like <laughs> it's your name and then it's like it fits kind of like your personality, you know, you're pretty, you're a cool, you know, relaxed, calm character, your style kind of fits in that lane too. It's like, yo, man, you, cause I was going by another name, but he's like, yo, man, Cole, you should, you should be Cole Medina. I was like, you know what? We're going to run with that, man. So yeah. shout out to Moses, man, <laughs> producer, DJ extraordinaire out of Milwaukee, bro. Exactly. He's the, he's the one. So that's, <laughs> that's for that. And I just took it around with it, man, you know, and I just been, been running with that ever since. Indeed. What was the, what was your name beforehand? Was it something super embarrassing? Yeah, it was. I can't even. I don't even. It was like you have to. No, man. I, you know, if you, <laughs> hey, man. All I can tell you, all I can say, is there's one video on YouTube that has that name because it actually is a good song. So I can't take it down. But if you find it, you feel me. Real ones. Oh man, come on. Yeah, we gotta give our doing... listeners the inside. Man, okay, okay. I'm, this is the exclusive. Okay. okay. So and you're you're gonna laugh and you're like okay that's why he changed it it was yeah. Christ B yeah 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 it's change. not that bad I was it wasn't as bad as something. I thought it was I'm not yeah, yeah. like it was it's it's a, it's all right it's okay okay yeah. my, first <laughs> rap, my first rap name I appreciate y'all being nice trash. man like, <laughs> what was your first rap name I'm not telling I've say told, it I've told a few people and that's it and I keep it close oh, that's it because they, they got jokes. <laughs> Oh, you know you're whack. So we're not telling you. We oh, made yeah, Cole Medina. Yeah, I got to expose myself, but we can't. Come no, on, because yeah, yeah, no, no. <laughs> mine is worse than his. So, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I would have shared if his was worse. I'll share my so middle name with the pod. My middle name's really embarrassing. No, we're not doing all that. We're not doing that. We still got to introduce him. Like, he hasn't even introduced himself. Like, you know what I'm saying? But for those who are not aware, for those who are not hip to the, to the game, you know what I'm saying? Please introduce yourself, what you do, how you got into emceeing, everything else you do with your community work, with music in general. Just lay it all out there. Yeah, man. Y'all, it's Cole Medina. Um, been rapping now, you know, close to close to a decade i guess like for real um been you know and it's been a journey that's taken me all over you know what i mean um from the bay area to miami to new york um the midwest man i've I just you know i've been putting in work for a long time um and and just connecting with different people doing community work you know as as you know unlearn you know i work with local bloco uh, yep. jamestown which is a community uh community arts group out here in the san francisco mission district been in been in the the, the community for you know close to 30 years uh providing afro-latino music and arts uh programming free to kids you know what i'm saying kids in the hood free programming to allow kids to you know explore their artistic creative side um and, and kind of and learn about their culture you know everything is based in the afro-latino diasporic traditions you know what i'm saying so i feel yeah, and on that lens, you know, I've been doing teaching artist work like that for a long time. Um, and, you know, just kind of got my hands in different pots, you feel me? But it all kind of, it all it all goes back to the same root, which is hip-hop, which is music, which is, you know, and, and, and the real root of hip-hop, which is, you know, of course, social justice, activism, being a voice for the voiceless, being a voice for the people trying to, you know, progress and move things forward. Exactly. Exactly. Hey, so, yeah, you know, you know what I realized, <laughs> and and shout out to my man Frack who who brought this up a, a while ago. Like the intersections in terms of like the Bay Area when it comes to artistry, activism, and education, right? Like that's the the education becomes the side hustle for the rapper out here. Yo, whereas like, yeah. the dope game is that's so real. That's so real. And I can remember when I first really like 
you know, when I when 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 the teaching art thing kind of, I didn't even really understand what that was, you know what I'm saying? Until mm -hmm. I, you know, it was in Miami, and I was working at a school at the time, and we we connected with the nonprofit. They were down the street. They had a recording studio. It was dope. Shout out to the Motivational Edge in Miami, and um, they I had a meeting with them to try and do something with the school, and they just like, yo, do you rap? Like, cause they I guess I sounded like I knew what I was doing or whatever, cause we're trying it's, to do a talent you show. talk with your hands, so like yeah, that's, that's what they oh, they saw the rap hands. Is, yeah, the, yeah, they saw the rap hands. As being Latino, or what a, yeah, that, I was gonna say the same thing. Well, it's it's a exactly you're a Latino rapper. You just talk with your hands. It's like sign language. I showed them some music and they kind of they were like, yo, you want to work for a, you want a job? And I was like, I didn't even know like that was a thing. And it kind of just put me on that path. That's like, yeah, the, the teaching artist work, the education work is like it is like that side hustle. But it's like, man, I, it feels it doesn't if it, it feels good to be able to give back. And you know what I'm saying? Like, just really connect with, with the youth and, and put them onto something and help them find their voice. So it's, you know, it really, it feeds, I feel like, you know, it feeds you just as much as it feeds them, just as much as it feeds my pockets, it feeds my soul. So exactly, you know, it's definitely, I got a, I got a question for you real quick. Okay. Sure. So I, I've been g getting trained in boxing by, by someone who's like used to train like champions out in Dubai. And he told me okay. something, he was like, you know, why would you like, because I'm a teaching artist, obviously I learned some teaching artists too. I'm curious to know your perspective on this. Like he was like, you know, people, people want to learn how to do something from someone who's made it, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, we're still like local artists. I would, I mean, as much as we've done, um, I wouldn't say we are, we're like on that level. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe I'm incorrect, but what would you say to someone who says something like that? Do you think that there's still something to offer kids even even if maybe they surpass you in, in talent in one way or another if, even if they go on and do more than you've done like is there still a lane for you to be a successful teacher even if you know maybe as we get older we don't ever reach that like celebrity level mm -hmm. of fame i mean i absolutely you know what i mean like i feel like for them and even for me it's like my my hope would be that my students surpass me and and do more than me because that means they took they they took what I was given, they applied it, and they even you know, and they took it even further. And they started so, probably earlier. They had more resources. Exactly, earlier, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So it's like, you know, especially like I said at that time when I first started working with this, you know, when I first started doing teaching art, and I had this full studio. You know, what I'm saying one of our other like teaching artists, he was an engineer producer, so we were in there cooking up like it could. You know what I mean? If you were in a, it was a real studio, and it's and I, I can remember telling those kids like. You, you know, you don't understand what type of opportunity you have right now to be able to be here. You got somebody making beats for you right now who's made beats for like French Montana and all these other people. And it's like, so to, so I guess to answer the question, I'm going off on a tangent, but I guess to answer the question, it's like, man, I think everybody has something to offer, you feel me? And especially someone who's dedicated to someone's individual growth um, and, and has, dedicated their time and has learned you got to know you as a person they're going to be able to guide you in a way that you know the random talent manager or A&R from the label they might not be able to give you that mm -hmm. same type of insight because they only know you from a very you know particular narrow lens whereas like as teaching artists I'm getting we're getting to know people we're getting to know these youth as full human beings not as mm -hmm. just you know an artistic commodity or something you know what I'm saying so so to that end, I would always, you know, I would just say that, like, and even for myself, you know, I always try and, you know, your elders always have answers. It might not, they might not be doing anything related to that, but you know what I'm saying? I can still yeah. talk to my Aulita today and she'll have something that I can take, take with me when I'm done with the conversation. You know and I think there's something to be That's said true. about the hood superstar and like the, the OG, right? Like there's like, yeah. I think it's in, especially in communities of color, like those are the people you rely on in lieu of perhaps having parents in lieu of having any particular guidance that you really respond to. Yeah. You go out in the world and the people who are going to keep you out of trouble or put you in trouble are either the OGs or the hood superstars. Like the people, right. you know what I'm saying? Like in New York, yeah. it was the rich porters. It was the Alpos. Like the, they made movies out of these guys 30 yeah. years later. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. when they was kids running the streets and we, everybody was looking up to them, no one, no one knew who they were. And unless you saw that on the news, like, you know what I'm saying? Right. I think, I think that that communal element is still pre prevalent in hip hop culture. 
culture, in, in POC culture, like 100%. people still respond, especially if you're dope, if you're dope at what you do and you have a style to you and people think you're cool. I think that that currency will never go away. It doesn't no, exactly. matter whether you get a million streams or two streams, people yeah. will still buy into you as a personality and that's what exactly. they respond to more than anything else. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So 100%. it's, it's, it's really interesting. That. It's different, though, because I feel like in the age of social media, people just look at like maybe you have like that currency in the street, but they can just look and see like, well, how many fucking followers and, yeah, likes and all yeah. that other bull streams do they have? And then mm -hmm. in place a judgment based on those. No, uh, no, nah, it that. definitely does happen. That definitely that's like a new I feel like that's like a, such a new age. It's like, a new age. Thing. Thing, it's yeah. like, you know, I'm I, like I can remember one one of my you know, he's a teaching artist up in Portland. And I saw he tweeted something. He's like, yeah, man, I was trying to give advice to one of my kids today about music and then i went on the soundcloud and then i saw he had more plays than me i'm like you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. he has this like yeah, dude, like that one kid we taught that was like yeah, yeah. Oh, you know like, dang, he, like he, he just got like i don't know he i think he just got a he put out another album and it got picked up by like some big um not record label it got picked up by some big uh media platform that like mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying but he was on genius before this was a kid we did an assembly and the kid rapped and everybody was cheering him on and he a didn't week even later, want to rap remember yeah he a was week like later shy. the teacher sent us a link of him doing an interview on genius and I'm like what the fuck like this you know what i'm saying it's, it's really Man, that's crazy you know, yeah, it's, but it's I think a weird game. It's like, internet but, accessibility is really rooted in young. That's young people. That's a young person's game. If you're oh, over right. thirty-two, it's a wrap for you. Like, well, you, like if you've been on Instagram since you were seven, that's 100%. different. Like, I joined Instagram when I was twenty-four or something. Like, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's a whole yeah. other. To them, it's just ingrained. It's ingrained in them. For us, it's like it was kind of like you know. And I was such a I don't know like I don't want to say purist, but you know, I was like, oh, I don't. I, I didn't want to get involved on any of that internet platform stuff at all. So I was like, you know, probably older than even a lot of my peers because I was just like not into it. But now I look back, I'm like, dang, like I could have been, you know, but you I was know, the same the way. Time, you don't know. You're like, oh, this is lame. Like, you know, I'm not really. That yes. Good. But yeah, it's it's definitely interesting to navigate. But I think it goes back to like what you said I learned is that like if you have that energy, if they, you know, it doesn't matter because they're going to respond to you as a human being, you know what I'm saying? Outside, maybe you don't have the biggest platform. Maybe you don't have the biggest following or whatever the case right. may be. But if it's like, if you're able to, if they, if you connect with them and they connect with you, then that's, you know. And I think the advantage job. of not having those big numbers is that if you are talented, people who are exposed to you for the first time will always feel like they literally just saw somebody who is on the brink. Yeah. yeah. If you are totally. always creating yeah. that energy, you mm -hmm. will always like it, it. You're always going to be able to leverage that energy because people see right. you and think that you're talented. You blow them away either with a live show or a song. They're going to think like, "Yo, this is the next person who's going to yeah. like, be out of here." But that's so what NFTs that. are for too. It's <laughs> like they think that they're buying into someone that's about to pop and that they bought this exclusive content and have it in NFT. Yeah, like yeah. that's kind of like the same mentality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. That's a weird world. So, 100%. talk about like all the different places you live. So, you mentioned the Bay Area. Are you native to the Bay Area? Did, were you? Born I, I did not go up here. My like, but this is like my family's home base. You yeah. feel me? So, like my mom, my mom's family is from Mexico, Nicaragua. They immigrated out here. I'll mm -hmm. settle out here. So, you know, pretty much my story pretty much starts in San Francisco. You feel me? Like that's where my yeah. parents met. Um, but yeah, man, just bounced around, man. As a, as a youth, we just it was just you know parents trying to provide and you know give you give you know give you give their kids what they could and so we just kind of ended up in just in different places man we were in texas new york uh chicago minnesota miami so so you was in all the regions like, <laughs> i was, was yo tour. man by the time bro, i had lived in every major united region of the united states uh by the time i was like 11 years old or something wow, you know what i'm saying like it was crazy how so, does that how does that fit into your music in terms of like like your your sound how does that fit into your music in terms of your content like what you're yeah, saying in your lyrics for sure man i mean it you know i was so i was just recently back in miami um doing some filming for doing for this upcoming yeah so the video we're gonna talk about the video in a yeah minute, yeah we're gonna talk about that but yeah. i was you know my uh you know, my one of my, my partners out there, man. Um, we were just going through the music, and he was he's like my A and R. Shout out to Nano E and T. Whenever I'm in Miami, and he was basically saying, "He's like, yo, you got like a, you got like a West Coast, you got like an East Coast sound, but you got like a West Coast like delivery, your vibe." So it's like I think it just, it's not something I'm like. I don't think I'm really like. I don't think about it. I just kind of do what I do. You feel me? And I right. think it just they all kind of coalesce 
in 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 what it is you feel me because i do draw a lot you know it just kind of comes out i don't try and like oh i you know i don't try and sound like oh this is gonna be like a west coast vibe this is gonna be this i just try and create but i think you know experience wise i think being in in so many regions at such a young age and seeing like a really wide breadth of like a wide scope of like what life is you know Mm -hmm. what i'm saying like being in different like areas that are more urban or more suburban or more you know have diversity versus you know a lot less diversity it's like you kind of i think it just gave me a unique perspective um that i think allowed you know and i think that kind of got me into writing in the first place starting to do you know i started off just doing poetry um i wanted to be a journalist and then that kind of translated into going into the music so yeah man it's been it's been a journey for sure so talk about the album. So the album just came out, or is it about to come out? Like, what, what do we... Yeah, yeah, come the out album. Oh, man, the album is about to come out. Yes. Um, we dropped the first single, Toro, which is yeah. out now, Cole Medina. Um, Matt Kelly's the producer. Um, together, we uh, we have our collective good problems. And uh, he's produced the whole album, uh, top, to, top to bottom. We connected out here. And we, but he's from Florida as well, so it was an interesting. But I met him out here, so it was just weird. Yeah, you know, once again, cross cross country, bi coastal lifestyle thing. And um, yeah, it's 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 you know, the album is done. We were just like I said, we were just in Miami. We shot two music videos. Um, so we got a couple, We got another single on the way coming very very soon. But you know, no release date okay. yet. We're just trying to do everything. You know, be patient. But Toro is out now. The music videos on YouTube singles streaming on all platforms so. and talk about how you film the music video so you film yeah. the music video in miami i was gonna yeah. say a lot, it's lot of like vibes, cars, like people GTA. <laughs> oh man yeah like it, it's it yeah man it was no it was it was a little too regular for me i'm not gonna <laughs> <Yeah>. lie <laughs> walking around no masks on just vibes no masters vibes but it was you know we made it work you feel me i'm i I'm blessed enough that I'm a part of another collective that's based out there called All Blue Roses. Uh, we do a lot of like more like artist development um, and, and giving, you know, throwing shows, allowing artists, DJs to, you know, do their thing. It's very tightly curated. Um, and so my partners, they helped me kind of, you know, they, they acted in it and whatnot. And so it was just, you know, we just drafted the storyline, tried to keep it as, you know, minimal folks as possible. I think, you know, you know, we filmed it like in November. So this is, you know, right in the heart of the pandemic. But, yeah. you know, it ended up being, it was smooth. You know, it ended up being like eight people overall. So nothing, you know, we didn't break any CDC guidelines or nothing like hey, that. We're not going to rat you out. Yeah, don't worry. Yeah, please. Yeah, keep it close. I'm not, you know, it's not. We've it's not, dropped like hella music videos during COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah it, I don't, you know, it wasn't really like, because I like, like, like I was saying over there, you know, they don't really take it as seriously. So it really wasn't. It they was don't a give lot a easier to fuck out there. Like, out my there. family's all from there and they don't give a uh, shit. Okay. Yeah, they don't, nah, <laughs> and then they nah. all got COVID. I'm like, <laughs> I don't now do you believe in it or what? <laughs> right. So you Grandma, know Grandma, you're gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> We're mad, but yeah, it yeah. was it was it was definitely a little weird, but you know, we we you know, we stayed safe. I came back, quarantine, I took the COVID test. So I, I mean I made it through. I was I can say I've been to Florida, you know. Yeah. And made it out with no COVID. So. so were you recording this album during like the pandemic? Were you recording it during shelter in place or all that? Or did you yeah, have some, I mean, some of the records already? Yeah, yeah. Some of them are done. Some of them are done. Like we kind of started, I'm trying to think, like when our first, you know what we did? Actually, we did start recording during the pandemic. Yeah. Um, the whole thing we did. Um, and Do it, you it, reference the pandemic in your music? Is it a pandemic album? Not at all, because okay. all the it it even though we started recording like probably like over the last summer, you know the songs have been written probably for a good six or seven months. You know what I'm oh, saying? Yeah. Like I think, and that was the thing with this album versus other projects that I've done is we were just super super intentional and just took our time and really like. Just he, you know, shout out to Matt, man, Matt Kelly, man. We'll go everything through like through like a fine tooth comb. Like usually as a rapper, you know, you show up, yo, I got my rap, all right, spit it, oh, it's dope, you know, keep it moving. But it's like, yo, what if you, what if we move this, in this, what if we move this bar over here, and what if you said it like this, and what you know, it was a lot more actual producing, like yeah, real, real producer. Matt Matt Kelly is a real musician. He's a real producer. And it was just dope that we, so we really took our time and crafted each song and, 
and kind of just, you know, we I don't want to say perfect, but we wanted to make it as perfect as we could. And so that was just a lot of workshops, workshopping songs, workshopping lyrics, workshopping the beat, you know, yeah. everything like that. And so it definitely took, it's definitely taken a lot more time to create, but I feel like the overall outcome of it is is going to be worth that. You know what I'm saying? And so, what are some of, what are some of the themes in this album? Like, what are you what are man, you talking about? Is it is it a day? I mean, yeah. So nice. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. So nice and tropicana, man. It's really a, you know it's a concept album, which I think is lame to say because I feel like every album should have a concept, right? Right. But right. basically, nice and tropicana. Tropicana represents like you know you get like beach vibes. You, that's like success, right? Tropicana is the land of success. Like it's paradise. Music though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it, but, and then, but nights, you know, night, it's going to be nights with the K. So it's, you know, play on words there as well. Okay. It's like, we're the nights, we're going to battle. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you got, you got to, you know, success isn't given. Success is not handed to you. You got to go out, you got to earn it. You got to put in that work in, you know, in music, in the streets, and whatever it is that you're doing, you got to put that work in. And so that's kind of what this album is about is just us, you know, it's kind of like chasing that American dream. You know, you get a peak. You get to see what success kind of looks like because you're in paradise, but it's like, you know, you're still trying to get it out the mud, man. So yeah. that's 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 like the themes is just trying to like hustle, you know, having faith in yourself and and belief in yourself, even when you are at your lowest and you're trying to, you know, you're trying to be whatever it is that you're trying to be. Um, so we're yeah. touching on that. We're You know, we're trying to we're, we're trying to go a lot of places, basically. You know what I'm saying? We're trying to show you the rise, you know, from the what it's like to be in the trenches. Versus being at the very top, and you're gonna, we just try to take the listener on that journey. And you rap in Spanish too, I take it. Yes, yes, yes. So, this this okay. album, yeah, I, I do usually I do like more, yeah, like bilingual flow. But then we have one song in here that's like pretty much all, you know, Spanish reggaeton kind of vibe. What you call it? I'm, I'm hooking up with my man Deuce Eclipse working on a record. Um, and I just sent them the beat, and he was like, "Yo, this is fire. We gotta, we gotta work on. I got, I might have to send it to you. We might have to just collaborate on it." And hey, he's, man, he's yo, from Nicaragua he's too. Hey. As well. So shout out to him, man. I've yeah. been, I've been, I've been a fan of his for a long time. Yeah. So, so they, yeah, uh, we might, we might. And, and am I, am I on this album? Is this the album I'm on, or did was I on? Am I on another project? No, because we did a song together. Oh we man, to we gotta talk, bro. We gotta talk, man. Yeah. I gotta get you on. A, I gotta get you on a song, song, because we were yeah. we were originally trying to get like a lot of different people's voices on on the record. Yeah, and then we were just like, nah, we just got we just scrapped it because we were like, ah, it just was okay. like that drawing board type. And then, and because bro, like, and that that's nothing against you because you did what you what we asked you to do with it. Yeah, it yeah, just, it was just me talking shit on it. it. Like, yeah, exactly. And I was like, yo, my first unlearned like. Appearance, like I feel like it would be more fitting for us to have a real song together, bro. All right, so yeah, I'm gonna so. send you this record when we done here. I'm, I'm gonna send it over to you. Hey, send that to me, bro. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm locked and loaded. So cool, cool. Is a lot of your fan base uh, Spanish speaking? Like, do you have a big Spanish speaking audience? I mean, I got a big, you know, following Miami. So yeah, for sure, definitely, definitely get a lot of love on, in in that lane. Um, so I'm trying, and and it's been one of those things too, where like the more that I've done it the response has been so it's like yo like do more of that like just even yeah. like, like my friends just you know my even like my family's like yo you know you know primo you're good you're good but like when you talk when you make those references about you got our when you you know when you bring yeah. that that you know that it's cult, unique it's unique and it's like yeah. and it's it's you know I'm not, I'm not trying to do it in a way where it's like you know i feel like the latin wave now is like a it's like a big thing it was like I'm just trying to give it, you know, my perspective on things. But they, don't, they don't want. They don't want to hear the family. Don't want to hear that lyrical miracle shit. No, they don't. They don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's really what it comes down to. Like they no, just want to be able to relate to some content. Like they exactly, don't want to hear but, like. Yeah. But you need that perspective sometimes. They go, family gonna keep 100. you grounded. And they are gonna tell you, and it's like you need those maybe people that aren't necessarily doing music or aren't rappers because yeah. as a rapper. I feel like, and y'all could probably speak this. Would you like? You probably you're listening. I hate to rapping it. for rappers. Right, hundred percent. It's I different. Hate rapping for rappers. So like, it's like it's good to get that fresh outsider's perspective. It's like, mm -hmm. yo, do more of that, man. And I think yeah. as artists, we take for granted the the way we interpret 
media and entertainment mm-hmm. like we look at it through a lens of and and it was it goes back to like when i was in high school i took sc- screenwriting was like the like my, my major right and they said once you take screenwriting you'll never look at a movie the same because you're always going to look at it in terms of dialogue in terms of setting in terms of mm-hmm. you're never you're totally going to always look at it look that at way it, yeah you're always going to look at it critically i do the same thing with music i do the same yeah. thing with anything that i'm involved in creatively i always look at it with that lens and we take for granted that there are people who don't think that way you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was only recently. Oh, uh, you go shout out to Sarah Arnold. She told she was telling me that there are people who don't talk to themselves in their head. Like they don't use words. They think in images. They don't oh. like talk to themselves. There are people with no internal dialogue. So naturally, right. so if that's a possibility, then it's a possibility that there are people who can look at entertainment and not think of it critically. Like they're putting yeah. it fully on receive, and those are the people that we want to <laughs> get yeah. our shit to. I don't give a fuck about sending my shit to some rapper who like exactly. wants to like, try to break down my bars and argue <laughs> with me on a re- like get the fuck <laughs> out of here. Like you know, right, so. Yeah, but this has been fun, man. Just shout out, shout out all your social media shit and and everything else that you're gonna be dropping moving forward. Aside from nights in Tropicana and and everything else you got going. Yeah, man, for sure. So if you want to follow me, you can follow me on all socials at the Cold Medina. I'm the Cold Medina. The <laughs> uh, you can follow follow us at Good Problems at Good Problems Collective. Uh, follow our Blue Roses. That's the you know actually just we just recently um, me and my man's from from that collective we just published the poem so you could check that out. It is National Poetry Month, so that was that was a nice time. So follow our Blue Roses everywhere, Instagram, Twitter. Um, you know, outside of Nice and Tropicana, we really locked in on trying to get this out. But I do have an EP in the tuck, um, working on another solo solo album. So you know, all that stuff's coming within the next year or so. So we just, you know, staying busy, staying active, putting that work in, man, you know? Cool, cool. I might have to take my vocals back from that record and put it on my shit. Hey, man. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, I can't, I, you know? We'll see what, exactly, bro. Hey, I don't even remember that. what I said, but we're going we gonna to figure it out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> no take you figure backies. No take you backies. <laughs> For real, I own the masters. This is what happens. You own the masters. This is what happens. But yeah, we appreciate your time, brother, man. And this this has been good. We gotta do it again soon. Absolutely, man. I appreciate y'all. Y'all have a blessed one. Thank you for coming. Ratchet and Woke Podcast. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. Email us questions, comments, topics. Ratchet and Woke Podcast at gmail.com. Lil MC, unlearn the world. Cole Medina. We out of here. Peace.